fellow hoteliers, and welcome to episode 200 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. And oh boy, oh boy, do we have a good one for you today. We're digging up some marketing gold, and I'm your host and mine pit operator, Pete DeMeo. Here in the trenches with me today is our mine driller and blaster, Phil Fariska. Hey, Phil, how you doing, man? I love hearing what you come up with each week. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder, so I've, I've, we've got about 10 of these under our belts, and I checked, and there's plenty more jobs that we can what did you tackle. say I am? I'm the, I'm the blaster? Yeah, I figured you'd like that job. You are yeah. the both the blaster, but you don't stop there because you're also uh, our driller. Nice. So, yeah, do it all today. But, Drilling uh, and blasting away. Hey, we've got a lot of pay dirt to work through, and I thought we might need to bring in some experts to help us shovel all this stuff. So we've got two guests. First is our metallurgist and lab supervisor, Mr. Stuart Butler, who just so happens to also be the CMO of the Myrtle Beach Chamber of Commerce. Hey, Stuart, welcome back. Hello. There's that, <laughs> there's that hello that we've missed for so long. How's it going? Doing fantastic. Very glad to have you back. This is, this is both an honor and, and a very surreal moment to be back on the show. Yep. And you're on the other side of the microphone. So I have all the little knobs and gadgets that I can play with that's and, right and i used to be nothing. inside the microphone and now i'm on the outside of the microphone exactly exactly all right and the next person we have is our environmental compliance coordinator miss melissa cavanaugh and she Hello. also oh no you're not supposed to say that yet you're you're oh. way off you oh. also dabble a little bit of analytics with westgate resort i do do that on occasion so so yeah. fine howdy ho to everybody nice so it's, it's good to have both of you guys back on it's been quite a while it's been over, I think, almost 20 episodes since we've had the whole gang back together. Wow. Wow. Time has flown. Yep. So, And, and you know what, though? It's, it's crazy. We're, so we're going we're gonna to dive into this. It's crazy. 200 episodes. It has been. Uh, do you guys know when we first started the podcast? I know it was April. Yep. I believe... I'm, I'm going to say it was two, six years ago. So Five we... years ago. If we look at all times, it started in 2016. Oh, five years, yeah. <clears throat> yep. Wow. So I, I looked it up, and there's there's really no word for 200th of something. There's the bicentennial, but that's 200th annual. And I didn't think that was accurate, so we're going to go with 200th episode. But yeah, it's not just the four of us on the podcast today. We also have a lot of listener feedback, and I thought kind of the best way to bring the gang back together is to go through and answer a bunch of questions that our listeners have had and get the the insights of someone who's on the, the hotel side, someone's on the, the chamber side, and then obviously Phil and I on the marketing side. And if you're listening and you want to follow along, just go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, click on old episode number 200, and we'll have the show notes here as well as a bunch of other really cool pieces of information that we're going to go through right now. You know what's next? What's next? It's the song. Song? It's a song. It's a jingle, Pete. It's, it's a jingle. So it's, it's, it's the muse of the news. You, <laughs> you, you guys ready to hear it? Yeah. All right. Do you want me to sing it or do we need to have Melissa sing this? Oh, Melissa's got to sing it. Yeah, I think so, for old time's sake. All right, Melissa, let us have it. With hotel marketing, we cannot lose. Now it's time for news the ruse. I'm sure you still remember all the lyrics. 
It's a catchy <laughs> jingle. You don't just forget that. That's I mean, forever ingrained in yeah. everybody's brain. It's, it's, it's burned in your head like a, I don't know, like a, a cigarette burn on your hand or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's a jingle. It does exactly what it's supposed it's to do. It's a little more pleasant. Do. Yeah. It's, it's painful it. and you can't get rid of it. Especially <laughs> when you have to hear it in a sushi restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. All right. So got two newsroom items today and I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on both of these. Stuart, I want you to feed, jump in first on this one I read. And this is COVID-related travel restrictions are costing the U.S. almost $198 million daily. And this comes to us from Travel Pulse. Primarily what they're talking about is international travel to the U.S. where we are preventing travelers from coming into the United States regardless of vaccination status. And other countries have issues with this, obviously, because, for instance, the, the UK allows people to visit from the US to, to there if they, they have vaccines, as well as a lot of other countries in the EU and around the world. The US does not do that yet, though. So that's something that we're kind of talking about today. And I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on, on the, what we should be doing to, to welcome international travelers back to our shores. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because I think if, if we'd had this question two months ago, we'd all be saying that we're right on the cusp of international travel being back to full force. And then obviously Delta variant came up and smacked us all back down just when we were getting excited. So it's a tough one. I think it's important that we continue to be safe and and and, and do the appropriate messaging and have the appropriate restrictions. But I, I don't know. This is, a, this is a tough one. I don't think I'm ready for us to just open everything up completely internationally both ways yet. I, th I think it's a little premature, but, it, but it's coming. And I know, you know, Canada will probably be the first to fall. I think we'll, we'll start seeing a lot of Canadians come down in, towards the end of the year. And then, you know, I think it's going to be regional by region after that. But that, that number is interesting. I like how people come up with these, this costs this or this stake this amount, <laughs> right? It's, it's monkey math at the end of the day. I, you know, we can't forget that the, the U.S. net exports 17 million more trips than it imports, right, every year. So I, I think, honestly, for selfishly, for me as a, a destination marketing organization like Malta Beach that relies – Almost exclusively, although we, we do love to have our Canadians, the major, vast majority of who travels to Myrtle Beach area are U.S. travelers. Um, we've had a bumper year, and, and a lot of that is to do with the fact that people couldn't travel abroad. So selfishly, I'm okay keeping the restrictions for a little bit longer. Well, it's and that's so true. I mean, we, obviously for our Myrtle Beach clients, but you know, for kind of around the world or around the country, it's just been a phenomenal year, and you can see the, the growth in – in ADR, the growth in occupancy, it's all you know, very, very good for those tourist destinations. It's yeah. interesting, though, and I like to see what's going to end up happening for Myrtle Beach specifically, because we have a major draw in terms of our shoulder seasons, spring and fall, for Canadians coming down. And we've really missed that in, for almost two years at this point. Mm -hmm. Once that comes yeah. back, are we going to be able to retain those other visitors who stay, who are visiting as well? Because if so, it kind of creates a, a great problem to have where you're going to have a lot more people, a lot more demand with obviously stagnant inventory. Well, I think what, it, what it's going to do, Pete, is, you know, we saw that, I hate calling it revenge travel, but 
that's that's the nomenclature we're all familiar with people traveling because they had the pent-up demand now are we going to see that from canadians as well is it going to be a second round of that where all canadians feel like they need to get out and and the u.s sees this this next flood of visitors all coming from canada or have canadians been doing what the united states people have been doing and traveling within their own country more i don't know which I think clearly they have. I think the bigger threat and the question we probably need to be concerned about more is the Americans that have all been cooped up and told for a couple of years now they can't really travel abroad. Is is that is that that net 17 million more exports? Is that going to increase once the floodgates open? Right? Are, are people more likely to take a trip to Europe next year, assuming that things calm down, than they would have been otherwise? So, I think I think that's. Potentially, although it's helped us a lot this year, it could there could be a bubble that bursts at some point. You know, and I don't know if there's going to be a bubble. Instead of it being the you know the the dam collapsing and then people traveling everywhere, I think it's going to be more of a a trickle. You know, more and more people are going to travel, and each person is going to get comfortable internationally traveling in their own time. I don't think yeah. it's going to be a just a flood of everyone leaving at once. But you're right. You know, years down the road, how is this going to impact domestic travel? Yeah. Nice. See, that's the that's the news insights that I, I love. But uh, we have even more news. You ready for the next one? Phil, hey. this is all on you. Yep, I got one for you. It'll be quick, but um, Google is sunsetting expanded text ads uh, and, and in favor of responsive search ads. So just for quick lesson here, expanded text ads are basically your, your standard ad where you enter your, your three headlines and, and two descriptions, and that's how it would display to the typical user. Uh, a responsive search ad, you provide Google with uh, up to 15 headlines and four descriptions, and it mixes and matches those headlines and descriptions to find, uh, using its machine learning to, to find what is most effective for a particular searcher. Uh, and, and they use their algorithms to determine, you know, what could work in, you know, generally and what would most likely work for a, a certain individual. Um, right now, they're just saying 2022, June 2022, uh, expanded text ads will be no more and you can only use responsive search ads. Uh, it's been it's it's been a little contentious in the PPC world um, with with this announcement. I don't see it can, making that big of a, an impact here. Um, if if you wanted to only provide you know, a certain amount of headlines and a couple of descriptions and you can pin them in place, you're effectively creating an expanded text ad. So if you have something that's working really well for you, you can essentially recreate it. Um, it's just not what, what Google wants you to do, that you're likely going to take a little hit in optimization score for doing something like that. But we'll have to see how this all plays out in June 2022. And it's it's big news, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to make a huge impact on your PPC performance. Yeah, and uh, you know, telling my inner Melissa always be testing. This is this to me is a good thing, right? Because it forces people strongly encourages people to be running permutations in their ads and letting the data dictate what what is effective. Well, uh, just to cut you off a little bit there, it would be good if Google gave you the data. In an expand in a, in a responsive search, <laughs> yeah, they don't. Trust, it's Google, man. You, they, you already said you trust Google. 
They are keeping all of those. They know everything. They, they, they've got it for you, Phil. Don't worry. They've got yeah. it under control. Don't worry. We have this. You don't need to see what's really going on. No, that's that's the that's the no, biggest bummer from our, hen house our side. It's okay. They can guard the hen house. They're a fox that we trust. It's okay. <laughs> Nothing bad will ever happen there. Oh, it's not I, like they're literally controlling how much you spend with them, like at all. It's it's okay. Well, so so Phil, if you have already having expanded text ads and you are a hotel marketer who's not listed to any of our advice and is just doing the set it and forget it and never testing, what happens then? Do they just run in a legacy format until and don't let you change it until you upgrade? Uh, effectively, yes, that's going to be that's going to be what happens. So I think you're, you're going to be grandfathered in, um, but that's not going to last forever. Good stuff. So that's two newsaroos to kick off episode 200. So we should do 200 newsaroos. We should have just done 200 <laughs> newsaroos. Or I was thinking go back and look at the newsaroos we've done in each of the last 200 episodes mm-hmm. and just kind of go back and see what, what's happening there. Yeah, revisit. Where are they now kind of thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, what's, what's the latest thing happening with Google Plus? I don't know. But we need to dig into it. Inquiring minds want to know. I want to know about Google Wave. That's the one I haven't heard about for a while. Oh, yeah. Since, what, 2012? Maybe earlier? Probably earlier. So Google listens to Melissa, and they're always testing. And not all tests that are not successful are truly not successful. We just find out what doesn't work. Google is definitely not listening to Melissa because if Google was listening to Melissa, Google Analytics would not be what it is. So I'm just going to that. <laughs> Shots fired. Wow. Saucer of milk at table two. Yeah. Holy cow. Close her out. So, so we've got a new segment on the show, and it's called 60 Seconds to Success. Melissa, can you guess what this one is? Uh, no, I can't guess. Well... We, we set a timer and okay. we have 60 seconds to share one quick marketing tip to help hoteliers find just a little bit more success in their, their daily efforts. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do. You got to come up with it in advance and you have to, it's got to fit within 60 seconds. So, so I've got the one for this week and I think you guys are going to like it. Pete, I had an idea for this. Is it my We've sound? Been using... nope. <laughs> I love that, but no. It's we've been using the stopwatch feature to see how long this actually takes. I think we need to use the timer so it actually buzzes you when you go over. You need to play Jeopardy on the Jeopardy sound. Yeah, I, I've looked at all seconds. kinds of sounds and they're all kind of annoying. I looked at uh, you know stopwatch sounds, TikToks, all kinds of stuff. So I'll see. We, we could just play. yell at you while you're doing it. Hurry up, Pete! Pete! All right. hurry up! Oh, so, so Stuart, that's gonna be on you then. Get out your phone. Start sixty seconds. Okay. And you tell me when you're ready. All right, tell me when you're ready to go. Ready? ready. Yep. All right, ready, set, start. All right, so here's my 60 seconds to success. Your site speed is everything. And if you're not paying attention, you're opening yourself up to your competitors and the OTAs. Google's page experience is now fully rolled out, and it's a major, major factor in determining where you're going to rank on the SERP. 15 so, seconds. Oh, you're lying. Shut up. Uh, this So this one's very important, and I don't want you to leave this to your technical team, but you need to pay attention to your site speed. Check out things like Google's Lighthouse, which is a part of your browser's console, tools like tools.pingdom.com, and see how your site performs. If you're seeing a lot of, if you're not seeing any green on those reports, you won't be seeing green in terms of the cash register either. So results change, 
So remember to check that monthly and make sure your site performance is fast and where it needs to be. You done? Yeah, I'm done. You had like nine and a half seconds to spare. I was about to start berating you. Well done, Pete. Uh, Good job. Awesome. I didn't get to hear his his sound and it failed. Pete, come on, Pete, Pete. I was going fast. I was going as fast as I could. So so chime in on this. What what do you guys think? I wasn't paying attention. I was looking at the clock. No, Pete, I think this is this is super important. From from the user experience perspective, you don't want people to be waiting for things to load on your site. And then you also mentioned the page experience update. This is super important for for your site's rankability within within Google. Um, if your site's slow, you're much less likely to rank high in the search results. So it's kind of twofold. It's technical and it's user experience. Yeah, fundamentals, man. You gotta you gotta pay attention to the fundamentals. That this is this is one of those we we've been talking for twenty years about how the speed of the site has been important for consumers, and Google's just making it even more important. So, well, yeah, because I mean the fundamentals have always been critically important, but it hasn't always had a report card tied to it, and now it does. And you will fail if your site is slow, not just because someone gets to your website and they're much more likely to bail if it takes more than one or two seconds to to load, but they're going to be less likely to ever see the page at all because of your, your lackadaisical coding skills. Yeah. And, I, you know, one thing has always been true of Google. They will telegraph to you what they pay attention to. The things that they think are important, they will tell you often indirectly, but when they start telling you this is a metric you should pay attention to, you absolutely should listen to them. Because yeah, well, it's going to bite you down the road. They hide a lot of it, but they're when they're blatant about something, like Stuart said, it's it's very important. A lot of times we're finding little changes to their algorithm by people digging through their patents and things like that, you know, small tweaks that you're not really going to make a, uh, a ton of changes on based on guessing. But these ones where they're saying, hey, make your site fast or we're not going to rank it. Well, you know, take 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 note of that one. Well, so I'll say this, and I kind of disagree that they they don't tell you what to do. I feel like Google's pretty transparent in telling you what. What they don't do is tell you how. So if, if you have a fast site, you produce great content, you have it coded with best practices, you're not going to have any problems. You produce good content constantly, everything will be fine. The SEO efforts can almost take care of themselves if you take care of all these best practices and sort like you said before, fundamentals. But if you don't, then the part that of Google that you don't know about, those little, the minutia and the coding and the, the things that pick up on those cues, that's what's going to sink your battleship. If we're playing battleship. We're always playing battleship. So there you go. So that's, a, that's all the news we got. And now we can dive into the whole meat of the episode, which is the Hotel AMA, episode 200, 100, 100, 100, 100. Oh, I had one. Can oh. I... Can I... Can I add in a question if this is asking me anything? Question one, 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 one. This is kind of point five because you actually have a one, one, one. Point one, 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 point, point. What the heck happened to the intro music, man? Oh, the future, the future is now, old man. It's 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 high speed. It's it counts down to the high octane. Is that what it is? It is. It counts down to the podcast. Wow, it shocked me when I when I first. Because I've been listening, and the first time I heard the new theme tune, I was like, what? <laughs> what has happened? Shock and awe. 
Well, you shocked and awed me. That is for sure. See, that's that's our goal. Every see, week we're here to shock them. And see see how they feel about it. I, I'm I'm indignant. Yeah, well, uh, we brought you back, so so we still love you. But all right, so I need to shut up. Time, time moves on, and uh, I, we had to change some stuff around. All right. I've, I've even th- I thought about getting some more sounds that we we drop in here, like a little bit of bumper music, but I don't feel like it really works well. I know you're not sound, a big fan of the, of the pre-recorded Newsroo song, and that's actually probably oh. going away. I think we need to bring that back to the the live. You got to live and spontaneous, right? Because people yeah. would never have heard, if you didn't. People would never have heard your '80s rock band Pete Newsroo, you know, stuff like that. This is so. true, yeah. So, and I know Phil's been committing to starting singing. He's been taking lessons and whatnot. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you should just go find the episode where I played the clarinet and you sang, and just make that just just leave it at that. Okay, so I need help from the listeners. I don't know which episode that is, and I did look for that because I wanted to have that on there as well. And it's it's too exhaustive. So, so that there's a tomfoolery out of the way. You guys want to dive into question number one 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 one. Okay, this time comes to us from one of our clients, Hap. And he asked the question, how do I know if my marketing is really working? Is my hotel improving or it's 2020? Is everyone just improving? That's the question. Yes. The answer is yes. All right. Question two, two, two. <laughs> it's going to be a quick episode. All right, Melissa, so this, expand, expand on that for me. You got all the analytics data. This is really interesting to me that our clients are, sorry, Travel Boom's clients funny pronoun issue there. Um, Travel Booms clients are asking this because, um, I don't know if you know this, but I am speaking at HSMAI's Marketing Strategy Conference on how to measure success in the new market. And I'm co-presenting with Stephanie Smith and she is tackling this question. And I think it's, uh, I think it's really important that it's, you need both answers. It's not one or the other. You need both answers. It's one, how well are you performing? How well are you performing against yourself? But also, as Hap is asking, how well are you performing against your competitor set? It's all of the above. So it sounds like you've got a probably a good 30, 45 minute presentation. So I'll just defer to you and just go for it right now. Come on. <laughs> I can't give away my whole presentation on podcast. You have to go to HSMAI and get what's, on the ticket. What she means is she hasn't put the presentation yeah. together yet. There's also that. <laughs> yeah, this, well, is, this is a good one, though, right? Because I think it's a question a lot of folks are asking right now. And, and to, to be fair, we talk a lot about how everyone's had a great year, and Melissa kind of alluded to that. But it's not the case in every market, right? If you were in an inner city hotel, you probably didn't have a stellar market a stellar year compared to like a beach destination. And I know travel booms clients, my, my jurisdiction, model beach clients and, and a lot of the Westgate properties have probably had great years because of their geographic locations, but not everyone has, but I think you always want to, to Melissa's point, be measuring yourself against yourself, not necessarily year over year, but making sure you're measuring ROI on the specific money, your every penny you're spending, making sure that you can measure it, track it, test it, improve it, all that stuff. But this is where I'm going to do a shameless plug for DMOs and and CBBs and chambers, right? There's usually in your market some organizations or or coalition of hotels that are aggregating data together. You know, um, you you can do it individually by subscribing to things like STR, but that's only going to get you so far. And depending on your market, 
it it may not tell you the full picture of you know if you have a lot of independent hotels for example you might not get accurate data so i think this is an opportunity for you to partner with your local dmo or cbb or chamber or whoever it is that has a lot of hotel members to really be collaborating and sharing data i think right now is is a good time to kind of drop the competitive nature of data sharing and say hey it's going to help us all it's going to help our market if we are all comparing notes right now so that would be my advice yeah, Stuart, you make a good point. I think, you know, working with your DMO and data sharing is is huge. Um, also utilize some other tools. Um, you can use things like like Google Trends, um, see what the demand for your market looks like, see what demand for your specific brand looks like within your market. Um, and then you can check your competitors there as well. Are you, are you seeing similar you know, trends within for, for particular searches or particular topics? You can also, you know, lean on your on on your Google reps or your agency's Google reps to send uh, vertical trend reports from Google to see, you know, what do, what the do specific metrics within your marketing look like compared to the rest of the market. You know, if your, you know, click through rates or conversion rates went you know, through the roof, well, does that correlate with what the rest of your market saw? Um, I, I think you need to look at a bunch of different factors. Um, but comparing, like Melissa said, compare yourself to yourself and, and when you can compare yourself to your competitors. Love it. And I'll kind of wrap wrap up with just one thing is that when everything is really great, for most hotels where it is now, a great hotelier is planting seeds while your adequate hotelier is just harvesting. And right now is the time to really own the guests that are coming to your property. Make sure that you're building an amazing digital asset of your email database, your guest history, because as we come out of this and every cycle cycles, obviously, you want to make sure that you have the intelligence to reach back out to the people who are visiting now so they can come back in the future. Nice. All right. So that's question number one. We've got a couple questions here. We'll jump right into question number two. And this one comes to us from Matt, another client of ours. And his question is, how should I prior, how should properties structure their rate strategies going into 2022? It seems that demand is going to stabilize and rates will need to come down to a more realistic level. And I think you know, Matt brings up a question that I think all hoteliers should be asking. Just at the day that we're looking at, you have, especially over summer and tourism destinations, your ADRs are up you know, 80, 90% or more and it's not necessarily sustainable and we are seeing those issues as it relates to customer reviews because while we can get these rates we're not able to necessarily deliver on the value that the customer's expecting for the rates that they're paying so so it's, it's a tough question i mean how, how would you guys answer that one i think you just did pete oh you need to deliver a rate that is that matches the experience that consumers are going to get when they get on property. If you were charging an astronomical rate and people come to the property and they have to wait hours to check in or housekeeping isn't keeping up with the rooms or, you know, whatever the case might be, and they have a bad experience, you know what? Those reviews are going to stack up and you're not going to be able to come close to being able to even get a rate that you used to get in 2019 because people are not going to want to come to your property because the reviews are terrible. Yeah, but there's a caveat, Melissa, caveat to that. Yeah. 
the caveat is that your expenses have gone up so much in the last 12 months too, right? That's Especially true. Because of the work Valid. shortage, you know, housekeepers we've seen in markets go from $10 now to $15 now. We see that your cost of everything has gone up. You know, the supply chain's been so disrupted and it's harder to get soap and towels and everything. And so it it's unrealistic to think that you can, you know, budget on 2019 numbers because your, your costs are going to be significantly higher than 2019 but we we might be in a situation where demand is back to 2019 levels so we, we've got to budget appropriately for that because we've had the perfect storm this year in a lot of destinations Mola beach being one of them right where we had our typical consumer had more excess money in their pockets than they've ever had because of federal stimulus because they hadn't been spending as much we know that there weren't cruises, there wasn't international travel, that people were flocking to outdoor destinations. There was just a ton of like this perfect storm that was creating increased demand. And, and a lot of people were coming to this market for the first time. They'd never been here before and they were trying it. So we've got to do a really good job to convince them, hey, maybe you didn't, didn't have the greatest experience because of the worker shortage. And hopefully we were doing a good job telling people ahead of time that that was the case. But we, we need to make sure that people are coming back and that they're paying an appropriate rate based on what our costs are today because next year is going to be a challenge we, we know that people are going to that revenge travel is, will have kind of fizzled out a little bit we know that people won't have as much excess money because there won't be as many stimulus if any stimulus we know that the child tax credit that's coming out this year is going to cause a kick-on effect next year because people's um, tax returns aren't going to be as high cruises will be sailing international travel will be opening up so everything that was a tailwind last this year is going to be a headwind next year so i think you've got to be realistic but you've also got to be you know aggressive at the same time because of your cost situation yeah i think what you also want to look at there is your gopar because that's really what's going to matter as you said Stuart, the expenses have gone up and you know there's an inflationary nature to to the issue as well where you know yes our ADR has increased significantly, but like you said, so have our costs. I mean, breakfast costs, everything costs. And then you also see where, you know, there's a recent article I was reading asking if uh, daily housekeeping is something of the past. You know, so people are trying to cut costs, but I think if, if you want to figure out where your rate strategy should be in 2022, you really need to make sure whatever you do, it's flexible. You know, what are you doing to ensure that you're able to hand off some of the minutiae to the AI systems and make sure that it can adapt because your competitors are trying to figure out the rate strategies. You're trying to figure out the rate strategies and the customers are trying to figure out what is a fair rate to pay. And on top of that, you have obviously, you know, changes from a monetary policy that are impacting what you can buy with your, in the case of the US, your dollars. So you make sure, I think you're flexible. If your rate strategy should be one of, flexible and you know very ai you know driven yeah and you've got to you've got to be willing to to be able to take a lower rate today so that you have room to yield up tomorrow right i, I think if we're starting to see people book for 2022 the worst situation you could create for yourself would be to go out too aggressive early find that the, the lack of demand in the you know the higher rate is creating really slow pace, and then you end up in a situation where you're in a fire sale 
and you, you start dumping right last minute. You're going to attract the wrong type of business, and, and that's just going to get you into to a tailspin. So, you know, be be cautious, but but you know, aggressive at the same time. It's 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 going to be. I think this is going to be one of the hardest years ever for rate managers because there's just so much unknown. Our crystal balls are totally broken, and it could go one of two ways. But I think it's better to leave money on the table early. And, and reap the rewards long term than it is to be greedy early and then fail fail miserably because you you overextended yourself early. Yeah, and I I would add to that and say one thing that's changed from the last time that people have been in this situation to now is our incredibly lenient cancellation policies. And just because you think you have the money in the books now because you booked a 2022 stay already, that person can see a lower rate and they will cancel and rebook if that rate is better or preferably they'll call you and negotiate a better rate down but like sort of like what you were saying is if you go out conservative and you yield up as demand requires i think you'd be a much better situation yeah it's got to be real time you got to be looking at demand and pace in in really trying to yield up as as it goes but don't start too aggressive the other knock-on effect i think of this is having we're seeing in a lot of markets where Maybe, you know, group travel is kind of wonky right now because we, we haven't had the Smurf business come back. We've, we're seeing the sports um, groups are really what's driven the train. We've, we've got association businesses coming back, but we're not really seeing the corporate business come back. So we don't really know what's going to happen there. But but one of the things I've seen is we're getting pushback from specifically from sports and association groups because the ADRs have jumped so dramatically, like you said, Pete, in some cases, 80, 90, 100% increase. And because people are getting it so much on the leisure transient right now, they're, they're pricing some of the groups out of the market. And, and if you do that long-term, the ecosystem you live in is going to struggle because we've always had this lower rate group business as the, the base that creates the compression that allows us to yield up on leisure transient. So we got to be really careful we don't completely disrupt the ecosystem by going too high too quick in biting off the hand that feeds us in the form of groups. Well, and, and groups feed us in the off-season and the shoulder seasons. And it's a big mistake to say, right now my my trajectory is you know X ADR. Understand that if you have a, a church group traveling, they're expecting the same rate as it was last year. And they're very inelastic in terms of of pricing, they probably already budgeted for that. So you have to be careful. I think you're right. All right. Anybody else want to jump in on that one, or should we jump into number three? Right. Three, 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 All right. So this one comes to us from Carly, and her question is: What marketing tactic used? I'm sorry. Let me read this all over again. What marketing tactic used to work before the pandemic, but is no longer effectively? Also. What are things that we can that wouldn't have worked before that would be very effective today? Pete, I'm I'm really glad in the, the twenty episodes or so that Melissa and I have not been on the show that you've really been practicing your reading skills. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it says I, a lot about your commitment to the show. I I read gooder. <laughs> oh. All right. So this this is this is your show. M Melissa, do you have any, any recommendations for what was a a total failure before that works now or vice versa? Um, I, uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to not answer this question. 
to be brutally honest, I, I haven't seen any, you know, earth shattering shifts in quote unquote what used to work or what's new and you always be testing. So I, it's I have one. gonna be different for every property. That's okay. I think I have one for both of these. Um, a marketing tech that used to work before the pandemic, but it's no longer effective. Are you gonna uh, wait? Are you gonna say AAA magazine? <laughs> How did you guess? <laughs> How long before the pandemic? That's true. <laughs> uh, so uh, one that one that used to work, I would say, is the non-refundable rate, non-refundable, non-cancelable rate that was always a bit lower. Um, kind of banking on a, a few, can, you know, inevitable cancellations. Um, seen plenty of hotels do that, and it, it had worked out in the past. I don't think that's feasible anymore. I think you need to give flexible cancellations. People are expecting it. Um, they likely don't care too much about that few dollars off. And if you're stringent about it and, and somebody books and they have to cancel because they're sick or whatever it is, and you don't allow them to, then you're just a jerk and you're asking for a whole heap of negative reviews. And then another one, uh, things that didn't work uh, before the pandemic, but might now, uh, Pete, you and I just had a conversation with a future show guest, a um, little foreshadowing there, but we talked about you know th promoting things like your outdoor corridors uh, of your hotel, if that's something that you that you have. In the past, people would never have want to walk outside if they didn't have to. They they preferred the interior elevators, interior corridors into their rooms. Um, now, uh, it, that may be something you want to promote because uh, you're not trapped in, in enclosed spaces with other people. It adds that little more open air feel. Um, when before you might want to, you wouldn't push that to the forefront. Now you might want to try that. Yeah, I think. That was kind of leading into what I was thinking as well. And honestly, from, from Melissa's perspective also is you, you always have to be testing because it's not going to be a channel that doesn't work anymore. It's going to be a very minute thing. And I think one of the things that we're going to see is you're going to have to overcome the minor objections that, to be fair, everybody can really overcome that, you know, feel like our conversation is going to be, you know, in the future is like deep cleaning. You know, what is our staff doing? You're still going to have to cross off those COVID concerns and make sure that you don't have little ticks, little boxes that haven't been ticked that send a customer to some other property. Yeah, I think if you address all of those, then it becomes a lot easier for the rest of your marketing elements to work effectively. Yeah, I, I think following on from that, there, you, we, we could get away with a a lot more prior to the pandemic, right? You you could have a very rudimentary email strategy where you're spraying and praying the whole list on a on a you know monthly cadence or whatever it is. And and I think although that wasn't best practice, it sort of worked for a lot of hotels for a long time. And and you could you could extrapolate that out to any any tactic, whether that's your search or, or whatever. You could get away with being very generic. And now I think the consumer expectations are higher their demands are higher they they want to know more you, you they want to be having experiences more tailored to them specifically and what's going on and how it impacts them so i think we we as marketers can't be as lazy as we were prior to the pandemic i think that's that's we've got to be more deliberate more specific um one thing i think there's an opportunity that wouldn't potentially have worked as effectively as it would would right now is 
there's a good chance that you have a higher percentage of first-time visitors than you've ever had at your property. So, you know, we're coming up to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It'd be interesting to me um, if if a property were really to play on the fact that they they knew all that this group of people had never been. They tried for the first time during the pandemic, you know that the experience maybe wasn't up to par because you maybe had a worker shortage or, you know, you weren't doing daily housekeeping or whatever. So there's an opportunity and this is a one-time opportunity to really show your love and appreciation for that group of people. Uh, and we know that if you can get someone that's traveled to you once to come a second time, they start to form habits, right? And in your chance of getting them a third and a fourth and a fifth time goes up exponentially if you can get them to come a second time. So I, I would say a tactic I would experiment with is a Black Friday super secret exclusive offer to those first time guests that traveled to you for the first time in, in during the pandemic and, and really be aggressive to try to get them to come back next year. That would be fun to try. I'd love to see some data on that. For, for that to work, you got to make sure that your CRM has the... Uh... The wherewithal to make it happen and and you have to understand who your guests are you know if it just goes into a bucket of existing or past guest new guest then you're not gonna be able to do that but if you if, if you have it set up properly where you know hey this is a first-time guest i need to give them the the extra tlc that's awesome yeah and make it really personal you know we you know hey we we here were our struggles this year like show some get them to show some empathy we'd love for you to have, you know, the full experience and we, you know, we can deliver that next year. And really, here's a great rate to show our appreciation for you. And we invite you to come back. I think that could be effective, more effective this year than it's ever been. Nice. All right. Pete, I think that's a good segue. I, I was about to jump right into question number four, 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 four. I'm starting on my 2022 budget. What's something I should consider for next year that's new? And I'll caveat this person's question. What should I cut out that I had in my past budgets? And I'm going to answer that first and say your, your AAA Go magazine. <laughs> okay. what, what do you guys think? Um, something new that you should consider? Uh, maybe it's something you just haven't tried before. I'm going to be a little generic here, but... Um, from your marketing efforts, there, there's probably something out there that you haven't used. So you don't know if it works or doesn't work. And that's what I suggest you try budgeting specifically for something you haven't done, whether it's video, a YouTube video. Uh, have you never run display advertising uh, to, to certain groups? Um, have you never tried TripAdvisor sponsored placements? Um, have you never tried Expedia travel ads? Have you? Are there things that you're missing out on? Um, have you never tried a programmatic display or, or, or something along those lines that, that you know is out there, but you just haven't tested it yet? Well, this is this is the type of stuff you need to set aside budget for new marketing efforts just to see if they work. I like that answer, Phil. Yeah, you should always be testing. You should always have a contingency budget allocated to new experimental things. And I think you're right. Trying to find new audiences. There seems to be a lot of momentum towards, you know, DEI training, awareness, and focus in, in, in the travel industry. And I think I applaud that for sure. You see folks like MMGY that put out their um, 
study that, that showed the sentiment and the habits of African-American travelers. They're doing one right now on Latinx travelers and LGBTQ plus travelers. So understanding different communities of people and maybe trying to figure out, well, you know, how do I how do I specifically target these these groups of folks in, in a channel or a medium that and with a voice and a tone and a message that really all works together to appeal in a, in a more a stronger cohesive way to those audiences so i think that's that's something we're going to see a lot of trends especially on the dmo side leaning into that and i'd like to see it on the on the hotel side as well the other thing i think you should all be shifting your budget towards is owned media whether that be you know content you're creating on your website or you know podcasts or, or anything that i think is going to be a place that you can create a touch point for the guest because we know with privacy um, restrictions ever increasing, consumers rejecting tracking, consumers choosing to do ad blockers and stuff, gatekeepers getting bigger and more expensive. It's it's just going to get harder and harder to reach an audience through paid traditional paid media. And I'm going to pull a Melissa here and say that I'm speaking at the HSMA marketing conference in a couple of weeks, and that's the topic I'm going to be talking about. Is it's time to really define a new category of media and one that I call valued media so creating owned content that people actually choose to consume so um you guys have done it right we we as a group did it with the podcast we created an a trojan horse ad that led to almost every lead that fuel and now travel boom gets through the website were people that listened to the podcast because we created an ad but it was never really designed to be overtly an ad it was it was valuable media an owned asset that drove awareness dude, dude, people choose to dude, consume pull the yeah. curtain pull the curtain back closed just because you're not here anymore <laughs> i mean it, what the hell but, but, you get my point right? out, an 80 dollars investment into a, a, a you know millions and millions of dollars in revenue by creating valuable content that people wanted to consume so to me that's the future of marketing we've got to figure out ways to to do that there, there's a lot of experimentation on the dmo side with that right now we're leaning into it heavily with Mono Beach, but a great example was um, Visit Florida in St. Pete Clearwater's DMOs. They joined together to create an Amazon Prime original TV show called Life's Rewards, which just followed a guy. The story was a guy that got stranded in St. Pete Clearwater because he lost his job and was getting investigated, and all he had was reward points for a hotel. So they set this, you know, dramedy in. St. Pete Clearwater. And it wasn't really an ad. It was more like a Hallmark movie in the form of six or seven episodes. But um, that's the kind of thing I think we're going to see more brands embrace is this valued media. Um, things creating media that people choose to consume to compete against other forms of entertainment. I think that's that's somewhere I would be putting some budget. I love it. And, and I was going to kind of go to the OTT side as well, where it's worth testing out. But in the case of Clearwater St. Pete, it's a perfect example of going to where your customers want to go. And you probably have to change your metrics a little bit, too, because you're starting to get into a smaller and smaller audience. But it's going to be more longer tail. You know, you don't know necessarily when that person is going to you know, find out about this show and, and dive into it because it's it's a phenomenal piece of you know, entertainment as well. So you're able to deliver value and just like the podcast, right? You know, our, our job is to deliver value. And if, if a listener decides, Hey, this is worth us, you know, 
reaching out to travel boom hey hey good for you we'd love to talk to you but at the end of the day it's about delivering value delivering education and delivering an experience to whomever your customer might be well ahead of ever having to ask for anything in return yeah it's 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 repositioning yourself a little bit you know i think of it as when i'm looking at wearing my cmo hat for model beach cbb it's people look at us as a destination today but what what if they didn't what if they looked at us as a lifestyle brand how, how do i infiltrate the minds and the hearts of the consumer at every step of their lives and how do i be a present in their lives at every milestone so that they think of traveling them on a beach when they think of traveling so i'll go give you another quick example of one we're experimenting with right now we got a bunch of these but one is we're creating a, a children's book um, aimed at families who have children on the autism spectrum and so the a tra a tra traditional marketing campaign would be this is a guide to model beach in in the guise of a children's book but we're doing it the opposite we're we're we're, we're working with a real author who has children with autism we're working with publishers to get it out in in a real world sense to the community we're really trying to inspire and create a utility for people that don't travel because of the restrictions that, that they set on themselves because it's it's hard the sensory side of autism can make it difficult for, for kids to experience new um you know new experiences and travel in general right so how can we provide a utility that's helpful to this community so that it's a book that they want to read to their kids now i said in model beach but the, the goal isn't to get more people to travel to model beach directly it's to inspire the community to to embrace travel as an option more folks that think it's not for them maybe we can help inspire some folks to travel now will some of those people travel to model beach absolutely but that's not the primary purpose the primary purpose is to help the the community that needs help and we we have we feel like we have a responsibility and obligation and in the means to fulfill that promise so that's that's the kind of thing we're working on. And at that point, Gary Vaynerchuk is doing the slow clap, saying, "I've told you, I've told you for years." <laughs> <laughs> so, and it you also it sounds like right? just oh, provide back. That's yeah. I mean, it sounds like everybody's also going to be in Dallas on the twenty eighth as well, right? Well, all the cool kids will be there. Yeah. yeah. So we need to get out there. We're, we've been doing their emails, but we need to actually uh, visit, be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. So, so that takes us through number four. You guys ready to dive into number five? All right. So this one says, what are your recommendations for keeping up with content and the need for a blog? I don't have time to commit to producing that much content. This question is so hard because I think that the statement that says I don't have time to commit is especially now more than ever drinking game um, <laughs> is, is probably true. And personally, if you're not going to do a 10x job at the content, I think it's wasting the small amount of time that you do have if you're just going to put some crappy content up that serves no purpose. Um, so I would say either go all in or go all out. Fight me on that. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> okay. uh, so I, I think that you need to, like you said, produce great content, um, but you don't need to do it as often as some people with you know huge budgets do. 
It's great if you can. That's fantastic. You're producing better content that can you know, create brand awareness, bring people in for non-branded search queries. Uh, and it's also really useful for, for guests visiting your, your site who may be interested in certain things. But what you need to produce in terms of content is the things that you're, you know your guests care about. Um, so if, if, if it's a post about, we've seen recently people care about uh, what's open in your area? What are the local mask mandates? What events are happening? And, and what are the regulations around said events? Um, those are the things people care about now. They don't need to be, you know, thousands of words post. They just need to answer those questions that people are asking. So you don't need to be posting weekly just to post weekly. You need to be posting things people care about. That's why you need a blog. You need to be giving people the information they require, making them feel better about making a booking. Uh, and a lot of times they're gonna find you first because you answered the first question that they had about traveling to your area. See, see uh, so Phil, that's, or go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I, I'm gonna side with Melissa on this one. And with, with a Melissa caveat, here, you need to look at decide on what your URL structure is going to be. You may not want to have hotel name slash blog or slash article slash whatever. You may just want to produce great evergreen content and stick with that because I, I think the, the the person who asked this question is right, and I think it would be kind of a tone death for us to say, oh, you need to produce content you know, every month and you need to do this, this, and this. And the reality is, is a lot of people just don't have the time to do it. And even if they carved out the time, they're not going to be passionate enough to make that happen. So my recommendation would be, Phil, do like what you're saying, is, is, is create these pages on your site that answer the questions. Make the best FAQ system that you could ever have. Make the best article about mask mandates or whatever it might be and have that live on a place on your website but it doesn't necessarily have to be and i'm using the air quotes blog yeah you're 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 100 right pete it doesn't need to they don't these posts don't need to live at slash blog but you need to have the content that that your guests want to see and, and, so my and, and feel like a lot of things that you're saying here is is also you can go in and update that same article often versus having to sit around and say, okay, what's my next article going to be? Because that's when you start going into the that 0.5x content where you just start crapping stuff out just because you had to produce something. That's one, that's my point. Don't just put up content for the sake of, you know, meeting some arbitrary calendar of content. But also, if you are going, and you should, you absolutely should have all that information about your area and what's open, what's not. However... That said, if you're going to do that, then make sure you are on top of it because it changes. And the worst thing you can do is send misinformation to your guests. That's my that's just my point that either do it the right way and keep on top of it or just don't do it. So that 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 could be Nike's new slogan. Just don't do it. Um so I come at this from a slightly different angle. So I, I don't think it's it's right to say you don't have time to focus on content. I think what you're really saying is that you're choosing not to prioritize content over something else that you're already doing. And I think that's a mistake. I think content should be one of the core pillars of everything you do. Because when you build content the right way and you invest the appropriate amount of time in it, whether that's 
10 minutes a day or, or an hour a day, when you invest time in content, it's an annuity that pays dividends over time. So if you're spending all your time and energy and budget on Google paid ads, you're leasing that space. And once you've spent that money, it's gone and you're never gonna derive any more value from that down the road. The great thing about content is once you've built it, if you build it right, although you may have to continue to tweak it and update it, uh, over time, it's going to derive a lot more value. And it's just deferred value. It's deferred gratification. But that's how you build an empire. So I would say to anyone saying they don't have time, I would look at how you spend your time currently and figure out what's the least valuable piece of that and bump it and put content higher on your hierarchy of, of focus. And then when you're talking about content, if you are still limited in your time, prioritize the right type of content. So I think it's great to say you should have opening hours for restaurants and local mask mandates and stuff. And that's good if you have enough time, but but that content probably exists somewhere else already. And so it shouldn't be your first stop. Your first stop should be talking to your guests, understanding why they're choosing you. What is your unique value proposition? What are you close to? Why, what amenities do you have that people value? And really figuring out all those questions related to how people ended up choosing you and, and mapping that out as, as content. And it doesn't have to be done overnight or in a week or in a month. It can be done over years. And for anyone trying to figure out how to do this, go buy and read the book Utility by Jay Bear because he has a case study in there that really talks about how to do this the right way, to list out the questions and then just knock out one blog a week. And over the course of two or three years, you're going to have a massive infrastructure of content that is going to continue to pay dividends for years and years to come. It's a it's a phenomenal book and everybody should read it. Yeah. So utility is Y-O-Utility by Jay Bear. And I think he spells his name B-A-E-R. Yeah. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. How, however, I'll, I'll say this. If you are a small boutique property, you can't necessarily produce a piece of content that I would care to read every week. So... I would say change your calendar. And if you can do two pieces of just phenomenal content a year, do that. But constantly focus on it. So, you know, don't make it a, a weekly blog. Don't not do it. But find that happy medium where you say, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of it. But the part that I do is just going to blow everyone's doors off. Yeah, but I agree with you, your earlier self, Pete, versus your new self, because what you said earlier was, you know, focusing on the the non-blog content. Well, I guess that's what I mean. Like, so it doesn't that's have to be on, to on a monthly basis. It could right. be whatever. But like, just I, you don't on. even need a blog to be successful. But what, what you do need, although you should, but if you're limited on time, what you do need is the FAQ. You do need good write-up on what amenities you have. You need to write up what things are around you. Like, those are the things that are not blogs but fundamental why book direct why choose this property really if you can answer those questions in the form of content and, and that content could live on your home page or on your rooms page or your amenities page but making sure you're taking the time to expand that and don't forget too if you can't do it take some of your paid budget and throw it at freelancers there's a lot of people out there that will write content for you at very low cost be careful about that make sure it's you are the editor-in-chief in that case. Do not nope. take whatever content they put and put that crap on your website because, man, it, it can be it can go really bad for you there. Make sure that you're spending the money in that case to produce great content 
instead of spending the time. But you, you can't not spend time and not spend money because you're going to get crap if you don't. And caveat to all this, make sure you, that you are doing keyword research or have someone do keyword research for you before you just start writing something. Because you can write all the great posts in the world, but if no one's searching for something that that piece is going to rank for, it may not be worth it to you, uh, especially if you're not promoting it well on, on your site as a, as a utility. So that's just a, another aside. Make sure you do keyword research before you create content. Love it. So, so hey, we're kind of running long on time. We got a bunch more questions, but I want to pick one more and just dive into that one. And we'll, we'll get the rest of these questions on, on future episodes. But uh, let's dive into the last question. Question number six, 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 six. Hey, Travel Boom. They don't say it that way, but I did. My hotel is pretty far from a major attraction in city center compared to my competitors. Also, the city is small with only a handful of local events and drive pe that can drive people to our area each year. What can I do to entice visitors to stay with me rather than my competitors without greatly reducing rate? Uh, I would say find what your differentiator is uh, compared to your competitors. Obviously, they have the advantage, right? They're closer to the city center. They're closer to the major attractions, why people may come to your small city. But you need to offer something that they can't or that they don't. Um, something as simple as a, a shuttle to that area uh, may cost you a bit, but it could be that that one that one differentiator that gets someone to stay with you uh, if you if your property's significantly better. Um, maybe it's you know I think we talked about this in previous episodes of how to create a differentiator, but you know are you utilizing your rooftop space and and the views of you know, whatever's around you? What you you need to create something that sets you apart. And you need to promote the crap out of that thing that sets you apart better than your competitors do right now. Yeah, and a lot of hotels have that same problem where you're the bed for the thing that the person actually wants to do. So you have to overcome that objection and make it more of a, a reason that they want to stay with you while they're doing the other stuff that they want to do also. And look at things like free breakfast is huge. You know, if you're going to a conference and it's you know one or two miles away, and you're on the outskirts of town, if you offer free breakfast, if you offer a free shuttle, you add that value to overcome the objection of distance. But at what if day, you offered the best customer experience? Uh, you, you stole it from me, Melissa. I was going to say the Sorry. same thing. Someone steal it. I just, I, I mean, seriously, may, again, so you're at quote unquote a disadvantage, maybe by being further away. Maybe that's exactly what people are looking for. Maybe they want to be out of the city center. But if you, as a hotelier, can offer the best consumer experience where your staff is friendly and hospitable and treating people like people and not like confirmation numbers, maybe that can speak for itself or at least get other people to speak for you because you have the best customer experience. Yeah, but you've got to really deliver on that, right? You can't yes. say you have the best customer experience. You've got to live it. That means you've yes. got to hire better. You've got to train better. You've got to have a better culture than the competition. But that is a differentiator. And, and when 
Phil's saying differentiate it. It's, it's something that's different about you that people are willing to pay for because they value it. People will, would pay more for a better customer experience, but be specific about that. What does that mean? Maybe you have earlier a check-in or later checkout, or maybe it is the, the breakfast. Maybe it's some other amenities that you get while you're on property, like a shuttle. But I, I would always start, I'm assuming you have some people that are already traveling and, and staying with you. So really engage them and talk to them and understand them. Why did they choose you versus the competition? What was it? Was it because your booking experience was more frictionless than theirs? Is it because of the rate? Is it because of the location to something you hadn't even considered? Is it that you provided more value to them somehow? So really understanding who is your current customer and then trying to figure out, well, how can I find more of those people? And then also, how can I turn them into advocates? How can I turn my current guest into the next guest and their friends into the next guest after that? But you, you might also find by talking to your guests that you find patterns. It might be that people are coming and staying for like a soccer tournament in your town or something like that. So if, if you start to see these patterns, then go find out ways to partner with those those tournament organizers and become the preferred place to stay for that those tournament guests, things like that. So you just got to be a little scrappier, um, but it starts with having com conversations with your yeah. guests. And I would build on that and say this is – this is the time where the right solution is a sledgehammer and it's a sledgehammer to knock down that silo between marketing and operations because this is an operations solution. We need to find out, like you said, Stuart, why are people staying at your property already and what can we do to accentuate that? What can we do to make the on-property experience so great that it overcomes any geographic difference that that property has? If you focus on that and you deliver just that amazing value when the person stays there, you'll be able, able to overcome, unless it's like literally the, the property that's at the convention center. If, if it's a, a five-minute walk or it's a five-minute shuttle ride, it's irrelevant, right? Make that operational experience so much better than anybody could ever beat. You know, is, is 10x operations a thing? If, if it is, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. And if all that fails, just hire chuck norris and have him stand in your lobby all the time because that will get people there <laughs> it always works mm -hmm. <laughs> perfect well hey we're going to cut it off there that's that's six questions from our guests we are from our customer listeners we have two newsaroos we have a 60 seconds to success we also have one important thing that melissa and Stuart, you guys don't know about it's the 60 seconds to sell so so what's going on with you guys Tell us about Myrtle Beach. Tell us about Westgate. And Phil and I are going to shut up. And you just tell us what's going on. And, and we'll see what's going on. And we'll kind of close up the show from there. I'm Melissa, the ladies first. Well, um, I will just say this. Now being on the property side of things, having come from agency side and how we at Fuel and Travel Boom have always said, just like you did, Pete, about you know, marketing and operations are the same. I am really proud to say that that is the life I live now. And I, it's so exciting to see that, you know, revenue management, working with the marketing team and sending data back and forth. And it's so cool to see. And I'm so excited about that. And I'm just, I'm just very proud to be a part of this organization. It's pretty awesome. That's all. 
And if I'm not mistaken, you had a 30% off uh, promo code that we can share with our listeners for Westgate, right? (laughs) I'm sure one of those exists somewhere. All right. Hey, Melissa, I'm going to be staying at one of your properties this coming week for IPW and e-tourism summit. I'm going to Vegas for the first time. I'm going to be staying at at a Westgate. Oh, that's exciting. So if it's not good, I'm going to call you and, and complain. And complain, yeah. I'm sure, sure I'm the right person to complain to. Dennis, marketing and operations are one and the same in your organization. You can you can fix it. Yes. But I don't anticipate any problems, so. It's going to be great. <laughs> awesome. So, Stuart, how about you? Well, so I, I've been in this role now, Chief Marketing Officer for the Mono Beach Area CVB, which the chamber and CVB for like four months and I, I spent the first month really listening and learning this this space a little bit more and then I spent the last three months really blowing things up and creating them from the ground up so it's been a lot of fun I definitely miss my fueligan slash boomigan families but but um yeah I'm having I'm having a blast and I think one of the things that I think all, all fueligans have and um I think what what's helping me a lot is really really having a deep caring for making a difference, you know. And so, having this opportunity to not just do what I love in travel and tourism, but to do it for a community that I love, and really driving the Myrtle Beach market where I've lived for 20 years has been really humbling, but also really fulfilling as well. So I'm I'm having a good time. Myrtle Beach has just been rocking this summer. I, I'm sure you guys driving around have seen how many tourists we have. We've broken every record. We've ever had the Myrtle Beach Airport last month was just named the it, or it just won the accolade of the most passengers to go through any airport ever in a single month in the history of South Carolina. So w- wow. which typically Charleston historically has had more airport traffic than us and we just we just beat them. So Myrtle Beach is on the upswing. We are the number one beach destination in the country for domestic leisure travel. We can we intend to hold that. We've been beating out folks like Orlando on TripAdvisor's most searched destination this year. I mean, it's been just phenomenal. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I'm enjoying having a big play, bigger playground in terms of what I can do from a marketing perspective. And we're exploring all kinds of crazy ideas from TV shows, musicals, children's books, like all kinds of media that's going to get in front of people and promote Myrtle Beach in a positive light. So so I miss you guys tremendously, but I'm having a lot of fun at the same time. That's awesome. And, and I, I would say one thing, you combine all three of those to have a musical TV show for kids. And I think Myrtle Beach won't be able to handle read. the business. <laughs> That's the yeah. yeah. So, perfect. Well, hey, uh, if, if people want to find Stuart, if they want to find you, where can they, where can they go? I'm still on the social medias at, at Stuart Butler, although I've been very quiet recently. Um, so I, I need to get back out there and post. Yeah, so yeah, at Stuart Butler, anywhere you want to try to find me and hit me up. All right. How about you, Melissa? I am pretty much on LinkedIn all the time at Melissa Cavanaugh, K-A-B-A-N-A-G-H. And Phil. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Phil Fariska. And then lastly, uh, you can find me, Pete, at Pete DeMeo on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I peek in on Clubhouse every once in a while, but I honestly, Stuart, like, like you, I just have not had the time to dedicate to uh, social much at all. If you want to find Travel Boom, check us out, podcast at travelboommarketing.com. 
We're Travel Boom Marketing on Facebook, underscore Travel Boom on Twitter, Travel Boom Marketing on LinkedIn. And I really like where we're going from our, our social perspective. So engage with us there and let us know. We want to uh, to help our guests or customers and everything we can do. So, so ask us questions and whatnot. But uh, you can find us collectively at TravelBoomMarketing.com. And yeah, this was episode 200. And Melissa and Stuart, I don't know that we would have ever done this episode without you guys coming back because you are absolutely what made us get to episode 200. Super exciting. We are appreciate it. And, and thank you for including us. And is this, this podcast is holds a special place in, in my heart and I'm sure it does Melissa's too, but I do want to say I have been listening and you guys are doing a stellar job continuing the legacy. So keep up the shenanigans and tomfoolery and uh, I will continue to be a fan. Absolutely. And good luck coming up with jobs for yourself. It's, it's never going to end. And I'll say this, and I, I'll, I'll speak for Phil. There is always an open spot. We typically record. We, so, Stuart and Melissa, get this. We now record on Thursdays. What? Yes. What? And, and, and guess what that means? Every time that we want to have a Friday off, it's not a big pain in the butt. So, <laughs> it, if you nice. ever want to join us, you have an open invitation. And I'll even bug you guys to, to pop in every once in a while on Thursday afternoons to, to have a beverage and, and record the podcast. Awesome. But, uh, we appreciate it. But yeah, so th- there it is. It's a, another hotel marketing podcast in the books. There's hundreds more to go, but don't worry. We will be back next week with more tips and tricks and all kinds of stuff for hoteliers. Travel boom is out. And we're back on. Hey, everybody. Hey. That was fun. That was fun. Oh, I miss you guys. That was fun.